Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam, this is the king of all episodes. It's something whether you're fit or not, we all want to lose a little bit more of it, and that's the gut fat. Hello, mate. How are you? How are you, mate? Everyone wants a six-pack, mate. It's the <laughs> biggest question I get asked all the time. How do I get a six-pack? <laughs> Genuinely, we get these questions. Healthhacker at themanshake.com.au is the website. Also on Adam's Manshake socials and at manshake.com.au. Adam's always got prize packs he's giving away. We love hearing from you. And that's what he wants to give back to you for getting your questions in. And gut fat, I'm telling you, it comes up all the time. And just so you don't feel alone as you send those questions, your friend Alex right here is doing the same. I, I, I always think about, I do a lot of crunches. I try and do core work. You know, you hear these theories of what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, what exercises you should do to try and get yourself a good set of abs. So on this episode, we're going to find out finally how to do it. So Adam, let's start at the top, I suppose. Can we just talk about like, what is this fat on my stomach? It just, it feels different to other areas that I have fat. You know what I mean? Like my arms have a little bit, your legs sure have a little bit, but the stomach, it just it's just different. Yeah. Well, it's actually called visceral fat. It's a metabolically active fat, which essentially means that um, it, it is active in your body and it has many repercussions throughout your whole system. So, you know, normally uh, the fat that keeps jiggling when you wiggle um, isn't unhealthy fat. It's um, subcutaneous fat. And, um, you know, women, for example, have the uh, subcutaneous fat on their arms. It's old tuck shop arms, um, they used to call it. Um, whereas men, you know, as a result of uh, our evolution, for want of a better word, have this gut fat um, or belly fat. So it's uh, visceral fat and um, it's, it's very, very alarming, the actual dangers of this because it, it doubles your risk of death having, having a gut. It parks itself around the vital organs um, and it really inflames the whole body. So it just dumps inflammatory proteins and hormones into your portal vein, um, which sends them down to your liver. And, um, you know, it's really got to then try to filter out all this crap um, being sent from this fat. And, and it just causes so much um, chronic inflammation in the body, leads to things like cancer, diabetes, um, heart disease, oh. Alzheimer's disease, oh. depression. <laughs> the list goes on and on. So I just you know, wanted to look really good at the beach, anything, but now I'm really scared. I really want to get well, rid of it. It's actually very serious, Alex. So, you know, it's, it's great to want to have abs. I think it's a great goal for most people because um, now we know how dangerous having gut fat is. It should be number one enemy to the uh, male body. Adam, I used to work late nights, and I don't have ever told you this, but I actually ordered an ab roller once. <laughs> and then I, I never ordered the thing that electric shocked my abs, but I was pretty convinced that like these isolated, like targeted exercises, like a bicep curl, but for your abs would do the right thing. Do you remember seeing those ads? I mean, does any of that stuff work? Well, look, you're not the only one that's been fooled. A, a rugby league player by the name of Robbie O'Davis, who played for Australia. And, you know, obviously you would have thought would have known better. He actually bought one of these ab stimulation machines and he used to walk around um, electrocuting his stomach muscles to try and get himself better abs. And uh, <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, you know, we used to sit back and scratch our head. But uh, look, you know, there's everything from, you know, um, sweat belts to um, ab rollers to, you know, the, the devices go on and on, creams, you name it. They've, they've been around for a real long time and they're playing on people's desire to get something that's really, really wished for, which is, is a good set of abdominal muscles. So women actually rated as the most sexy body part for men is having a six pack. So a lot of guys are willing to roll the dice and try anything out there. But I can assure you now that um, we've all got abs. You just can't see them because there's that little bit of fat hanging over the top of them. So the best thing that you, you, know, you have to do is obviously address the problem, which is number one, which is making sure that uh, you're not carrying too much fat around. 
All right, Adam, let's actually figure out if we're doing the right thing. And I do a lot of core work and I, I can feel a difference underneath, but I can't really see a difference. And I think that's the difference everyone wants to talk about. Sure, I feel stronger, but I still look like I've got a gut. I'm doing the side planks, I'm doing the crunches. I want to figure out if these even work and what we should be doing. Like, do crunches work? Like, is this going to help burn fat? Like, let's start at the start with the normal sit-up. I mean, what's it looking like? Well, like I alluded to earlier, you know, the, the body's not a subsystem. It doesn't work in parts. It works as a whole unit. So the key to losing fat is actually stressing the, the body, you know, for the biggest bang for your buck. So doing exercises that are going to burn more calories. Um, when you're having a look at, for example, a bicep curl, you're using only 1.5% of your total muscle mass. So standing in front of the, the mirror, flexing your biceps isn't really going to, you know, build a lot of muscle and burn a lot of calories. It's the same with crunches. You know, if you really want to lose one pound of um, fat, you'd have to actually do 250,000 crunches. <laughs> <laughs> to elicitate the metabolic response, uh. to actually burn a pound of fat. So the best way to actually, you know, um, see your abs is, is first create that metabolic uh, deficit in your body, whether it's through diet or, or through the right type of exercise to make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when you put your head on that pillow, you've actually consumed less calories than you've burned. Right. So that kind of abs are made in the kitchen phrase is pretty true. It is very true. But, you know, once you get then down to a, a body fat percentage, certain uh, exercises are going to make your abs stand out more. So they're going to make them bigger and they're going to make them, uh, you know, pop a little huh. bit more for one of a better word. So, and, and there is different types of exercise as well, Alex, that will be more effective, as I alluded to earlier, at burning fat. And the exciting thing for men is, is in particular, and even women, that um, research shown time and time again, that um, the first type of fat that we burn when we start to lose weight is actually this fat in the gut, which is the visceral fat. So the body knows it doesn't want to be there because it's dangerous. So when, when it's in a state um, to shed itself of some of this fat, the first place that it really attacks is actually the gut fat. So um, it's really, really interesting that you know, research has shown, for example, in France, where they did a study on people that lost weight, nearly 50% of the weight that they lost actually come off their guts to start with, which is incredible. The French workout... What were they doing that made it look better? Well, they did high-intensity exercise. You know how much of a fan I am of high-intensity exercise. And, um, you know, it's by far and away the most effective way at... at um taking inches off your waist. The study that you're alluding to there, Alex, um, just involved two groups of people that worked out for eight weeks. One group just did, you know, what we call low-intensity steady-state exercise with some resistance training. The other group did some high-intensity exercise at the end of their workout for as little as 10 minutes uh, with the resistance training, and they ended up mobilizing a significant amount of greater fat loss, particularly around the gut. And the exciting thing is to know that our bodies are literally programmed to drop this fat around the belly first if we train the right way. So, you know, your body really wants to get rid of this fat and it, it, it's really something that, um, you know, is easier to do than what people probably think if they take the right approach. Hey, and tell me about blood flow, because you and I have spoken about this before, about around blood flow in the rest of your body is quite good, but I think your stomach, it's not great for it. And that's kind of a leading cause to the gut fat as well. Well, lack of blood flow causes so many problems throughout the whole body. When you talk about inflammation and joints, and that's why joints, you know, basically once you bang up a joint, it's really hard for that joint to recover because it doesn't have great blood flow. And that, that's like removing things from your body that, you know, shouldn't be there. Blood flow is the key to helping do this. So you need to really make sure that, you know, you flood the body full of oxygen um, so it can transport the fat and it can be mobilized. So um, unfortunately, the gut does have a, a poor blood supply. One of the best ways to, to do this is making sure that, you know, you lower your glycogen levels. So by that, I mean, reduce the amount of carbohydrates that you might intake before a workout and try and do some real high intensity um, uh, resistance stuff and some high intensity interval training as well, because this is really going to deplete them glycogen levels because you're really 
calling on them glycogen reserves when you do high intensity exercise. When you're doing steady state training, you're not using as much of the body's glycogen reserves because it's lower intensity. You're able to use oxygen instead. So it's really important to really rip into this um, high intensity stuff. Um, and the best way to do this, you know, is just something as simple as getting on exercise bike, Alex, for literally 15 seconds, 12 seconds, pedaling as hard as you can, waiting for your heart rate to return to normal and try and do that half a dozen times. And uh, there's your session. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam, you mentioned also that we can combine HIIT workouts with actual specific targeted exercises as well to boost those muscles. So what are some of those targeted exercises? Yeah, great question. And research has been done now, which is so exciting. They're using these EMG machines, which are essentially, they put little uh, electrodes on the muscles and they can actually see and measure the the wavelengths of um, how these muscles switch on and off, how much peak force they produce, how much mean force they produce. Um, it's really exciting. So now you can really go into the gym knowing uh, what exercises are going to give you the most bang for your buck. Now, when it comes to your um, abdominal muscles, you know, what are they for? They're there to basically stabilize your spine. That's the first thing that you really want. You want strong abdominal muscles to stabilize your spine so you don't hurt your back. You know, when you speak about your core, you're not just talking about your ab muscles, but you're also talking about your hips and your glutes as well. So um, it's a really big unit of muscles that you're trying to switch on. And, you know, when you do things like a Turkish get-up, a lot of people might not know what a Turkish get-up is, but um, when they did some of the analysis on it um, with the EMG machines, they basically showed that this had one of the highest engagement rates um, of the muscles in the core getting up to 100% activation in all four core muscles. So it just wasn't the six pack that got switched on, but the transverse abdominis, all these other muscles, which are really important for stabilizing the spine, got switched on to over 100% activation, which is amazing. So if you YouTube um, Turkish Get Up, it's as simple as laying on the ground, putting your hand above your head and standing up and trying to make sure that it's, you can imagine you've got a glass, Alex, you're standing up, you're trying not to let the, the water spill out of that glass, stand up and then come back down to the ground. It's an amazing exercise to get your heart rate up as well. You know, things like chin-ups have also been shown to have a huge activation capabilities for turning on your core muscles. So you wouldn't think that doing a chin-up, for example. Um, but, you know, we're all here about hacking efficiency and time. Um, so I like to pick these bigger sort of, you know, movements like the Turkish get-up. I like to pick things like chin-ups because they work the core. Even when you're doing things like pressing and pulling, um, exercise in the gym. So, you know, doing um, on a Swiss ball with one arm, doing a, a dumbbell press or doing a row where you're, you're sort of, you know, having to engage your core. Uh, these work the muscles really effectively as well, Alex. Um, the crunch though, the old bicycle crunch, which is an easy thing to do anywhere, anytime where you just lay on the back, put your hands behind your head, make sure you're not cranking your neck up too much. But, um, you know, you're basically bringing your opposite knee to um, your opposite elbow and you're really bracing your abs. And uh, that's probably one of the, the, the big tips I give to people when they're doing ab work is really focus on, you know, bracing their abs like someone's about to kick in the guts. You really want that stabilization. You try not to leak energy out of your body. That's the key to strength and power is not having energy leaks in your body. And the biggest energy leak a lot of people emit when they are working out, and that's why they hurt themselves, lifting heavy weights or aren't that strong, is they don't know how to tense the muscles up in their core. They don't know how to create stiffness in their core. So if you're looking for some more exercises, particularly if you've got a bad back, um, your go-to guy, without a doubt, is a guy called Dr. Stuart McGill. Um, he's got the big free exercises that he recommends for people with bad backs, and they're the bird dog. You've then got the dead bug, which sounds pretty uh, <laughs> interesting, and then you've got side planks as well. So three great exercises to start with. Um, you know, as far as equipment goes, um, a lot of people, you know, use Swiss balls. I think they're a great tool. You know, the worst bit of equipment you can actually use is the ab rocker. Um, you might see them in the gym still. They're less, 80% less effective than just a normal crunch. So yeah, there's, there's, there's exercise you should and shouldn't do. And, and, you know, if you're really trying to target the abs as well, 
when you're trying to actually bring your shoulders to your knees, you're working more of the top part of the abdominal muscles. Um, and then when you bring your knees to your chest, you're actually working the lower abdominal muscles. So you can actually target different parts of the abdominal muscles as well. And anything that involves rotation and stabilization really works the oblique muscles on the sides more. So, um, you know, a great hack that um, we used in sport, which a lot of people aren't aware of, is um, when people are doing abdominal exercises, you think about what are the other muscles that you're using in the core that are probably going to take over that movement more so than the abs. And the major muscle that's probably one of your strongest is your hip flexors. Now, most people have back problems because they've got tight hip flexors, for example. Is that, is that the, 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 the ones um, in front of my, like literally in front of my hips that goes down to the top of my thighs? Is that what the hip flexor that's is? That's exactly right. They're the hip flexors. And they're, they're, the, they're ones the ones that are always that become, tight? <laughs> Always tight because you're sitting all the time and, yeah. and you know, you're not moving. So your hip flexors become tight and they also are a very big muscle and a very overpowering muscle. So what happens is when people are doing uh, abdominal exercises, a lot of the time they're overcompensating and using too much hip flexor engagement when they're doing the exercise. So one great hack to actually switch off the hip flexor muscles, which you want to do to engage more of the abdominal muscles, is you have to activate your hamstring muscles and glutes. They're the antagonist muscles, the opposite muscles to the ones you want to engage. So when you engage more of your core muscles, it's really going to strengthen the abdominal muscles much more than it's going to otherwise. So one of the tips that you can do is what we call reciprocal inhibition, which essentially means you're really trying to contract that um, antagonist group of muscles, the hamstrings and glutes, by squeezing them as hard as you can. So one way of doing this is you can get like a foam roller, put that under under um, your knees when you're doing a crunch, for example, and really press your calves down as hard as you can against that ab roller. Or you can actually put your feet on the ground and really try to drag your heels through the ground when you're doing a normal crunch. Um, it's really interesting that just switching on them and squeezing them glute muscles and them hamstring muscles is going to increase the activation of your, your um, abdominal muscles by about 46%, which is incredible. Fascinating. So it's kind of, as you said before, it's the sum of all parts. It's like if you're doing the crunch, try and activate other parts of your body. So my question around that is, on top of this crunch that you just shared with the foam roller, if we have the ability to be maybe at some monkey bars or something and just doing like a hang or maybe even a leg raise, is that also going to target a lot more areas than just doing a general crunch? Oh, amazing. Leg raises are one of the hardest things you can do, Alex, and they're really, really good. The, the problem with a lot of people with leg raises, once again, is the fact that they sometimes use momentum and swing their legs too too much and they're not bracing their core. So, you know, before you do any type of um, ab exercise, the first thing you should do is initiate engagement of stiffness in the core. So you should really brace your abs first and then look for movement. You know, the, the abdominal muscles, like I said, are really there to protect the spine first and foremost. And that's to minimize, you know, the movement um, around the spine whilst your limbs are moving. So any exercise that involves your limbs moving and trying to stabilize your core are very, very functional as far as abdominal training goes. Okay, Adam, before I kind of surmise everything you've said, I have one last question, which is I've always been of the proponent that if you're doing, let's say, chest one day, you leave it for a day and then you might do legs on your next workout to allow those muscles to recover. With abs, they kind of always seem to be involved. I'm not sure what to do. Should I have an ab day and try and let them rest as much as possible or can I work out abs all the time? Great question, Alex. And, um, you know, your abs are postural muscles first and foremost, and it's important that they're engaged all the time. No matter when you bend over to do up your shoelaces, go to pick your kids up, go to pick the shopping up, you want your ab muscles switching on all the time. So I'm a big proponent in doing micro dosing of ab training throughout the whole day. So I like to do Stuart McGill's Big Free and I try to do it three times a day. And I do it when I get up in the morning. You want to be very careful first thing in the morning because your back is um, very much more sensitive 
intensive in the morning because the discs have swelled overnight because they've been in that rested position. Um, and as the day goes on, you're more safer to do bending and flexing. So early in the morning, I try not to do too much flexion and extension of my spine, but I try to do some stabilization, so some planks. But I'm always trying to keep my core engaged all the time. I'm always mindful. Even when I'm driving, I try to squeeze my abdominal muscles at every set of traffic lights. So the, <laughs> the ab muscles being postural muscles are muscles you want to switch on as much as you can. Now, I like to actually use resistance as well. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't use, but they don't do low rep ab training. You know, most people bang out, you know, 20 crunches or 50 crunches or, or whatever. But research has shown time and time again that there's different muscle types in your abdominals. So there's fast twitch, slow twitch. So you need to cover both uh, muscle types. And the best way to do that is by doing some heavy low rep ab training as well. So you might, you know, do some resistance-based stuff in the gym that, you know, only allows you to get out, you know, four to six repetitions. Um, but as far as, you know, ab engagement goes and, and switching on your core, you can do it every single day and do it as much as you can and try and engage it in your normal life. Like I said, when you're driving, squeeze your abs at the, the traffic lights. Before you bend over to, you know, type your shoelaces, really engage your core and make sure you're, you know, you're, you're switching on them ab muscles before you do anything. And that's going to make sure that one, you don't hurt your back, but you also get a better six pack. Fantastic, Adam. So what I've learned is that, yeah, sure, abs are made in the kitchen, but you can make them look pretty sexy by doing <laughs> exercises that are not just targeting them, but targeting them in different ways by using your whole body. So bringing legs to your to your gut, I suppose, bringing your shoulders back down towards it, leg raises, um, activating other areas around it like your glutes and your quads when you are doing these crunches and also look up Stuart McGill's big three exercises because they can help you as well. You've absolutely nailed it, Alex, and I can't wait to see in summer of a six-pack mate. <laughs> thank you, mate. And thank you so much for all the questions that we get on the podcast. Uh, make sure you please rate it so it allows us to grow. And of course, any questions you want, hit up healthhacker at themanshake.com.au or Adam on his Manshake socials. And of course, he's always got great giveaways on his website, themanshake.com.au. Adam, speak to you on the next episode. Always a pleasure, Alex. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.